Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Did you know Peyton Manning drafted Daniel Jones to New York Giants? That's right. Helmets off is on. Okay, welcome to another episode of Cheer. Thanks for joining us. We love that you tune in, got a lot of fun, insightful things into, I don't know, the world, sports, you name it, Uh, but uh, give you a little bit of what's going on inside of my head, and it's fun fun to share my thoughts and experiences and my observations, so thank you for joining us. Please go to uh, at uh, Helmets Off Podcast on Facebook or at Helmets Off Show on Twitter. Uh, If you like us, like us, like us, love us, love us. All right, here we go. Um, well, for the show today is going to be a lot of fun because we have, uh, we're going to talk about the battle for quarterbacks at the University of Utah, an unprecedented situation with the COVID and everything that's happening in the season and it's shortened and, and what it means and what it doesn't mean. And so we're going to dive into that. We'll dive into that for quite some time now. And then, of course, uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that it's a quarterback league. And there are some guys that uh, have been pleasant surprises, not shocking, and some pleasant, pleasant, if it's pleasant, but pleasant disappointments. And then, of course, um, I want to talk about how Peyton Manning actually drafted Daniel Jones. And it reminded me of when I was drafted. Anyways, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But for right now, okay, so the University of Utah is part of the Pac-12. Been to the Pac-12 championship game the last two years, uh, have a lot of talent, done well in recruiting, and they, they, they're in a situation now where they've got to replace their three-year starter, Tyler Huntley, who was a, you know an integral part of the success the team had. And they've got, they've got three guys, two, three guys that, that could do that. And that's kind of a cool thing in and of itself, that Utah actually has three quarterbacks that are legitimate starters, and all three could, you know, could play quite well. I think in the Kyle Whittingham era been something that was, uh, you know, a luxury. Uh, finding a good quarterback at Utah has been a challenge uh, all the way through. Uh, you know, Coach Whittingham is a great coach, great defensive mind, and defense is where it's at if you're, if you're at the University of Utah. But uh, it, this might be a different year. Even though it's a COVID year, it may be a year where the defense is going to take some time to find itself. And the offense and the explosion – uh, and the explosiveness, I should say, of the offense is key and probably will be key to Utah having a chance to have any success. They're only playing seven games, 
and so it's any, it's anyone's ball game. I mean, it's you got to get you got to start fast, and you got to finish, and you got to win, and uh, so that's going to be a challenge. So let me just kind of dive into my general observations about what what I where I think this will go, and I think it depends a lot on where Utah wants to be this year, because it's a, it's a unique year. It's a unique year in that uh, people are going to be able to come back next year who wouldn't. And that's, that's highly unusual because Utah has Jake Bentley, who's a grad transfer from South Carolina, played 31 games and has won uh, 19 of those games. So he's been a successful player in a tough conference. And he only has one year. Then you have Cam Rising, who has three years. And he's, this, he's a guy that they like a lot. His leadership is firing us. He's very athletic. He's got a strong arm. And then you have Drew Lisk, who's been in the program forever and really has done a remarkable job in uh, getting himself in a position to actually compete. So going into to the, the late fall camp that's going to happen, uh, there are three quarterbacks that are going to get equal reps with the first unit. And that, that's a massive uh, compliment to Drew Lisk. And I think to the University of Utah, the fact that they have the competition happening. So getting back to, you know, it depends on who Utah is this year, right? And they have to, if they're, if they're rebuilding. So Utah had Tyler Huntley that they decided to start as a sophomore over a senior. And, and he struggled that first year. But then, then he led Utah really to two Pac-12 championship games. And I think that's something to be said about where Utah might want to be. Cam Rising, maybe he's that guy. You're going to take your lumps with him, but it's really kind of a lumpy year anyways. I mean, it's only seven games. Uh, you're going to have people back next year. If Utah, on the other hand, feels like, hey, we've got this guy uh, in uh, Jake Bentley that we think's really polished, and he's just head and shoulders above everybody else. He's very talented. He's, you know, he's a guy that can really uh, right the ship for us while we're kind of figuring things out defensively and and in some ways offensively. And so if Utah feels that it can win now, it's got talented but inexperienced defense. And, uh, you know, then, then I think you go with, with Jake Bentley, the older player who will probably in a short period of time be a better alternative. Because guys that really haven't played, it just takes a little bit of time to kind of get through things. But if you feel like the upside of Cam Rising is so much higher then, then I think, then I think you go a different direction. But there, there's a connection, or there's a respect here for Dave Bentley. I mean, he just doesn't show up out of thin air, and nothing, nothing happens. And um, so, it, it'll be fascinating to watch. And then you have Drew Lisk, and Drew Lisk, and I just found out recently is is even being considered for this. I thought he was going to quit football, and he, you know, he's essentially graduated. But he, he, you know, apparently they felt. He's a he's a wild card to me. It kind of in in some ways it almost makes me nervous, and, and nervous in the sense that maybe these coaches aren't as high on these other two guys as they thought, and they know what they have in Drew Lisk, and they know that he's a guy that can come in and throw the ball for him. He's not he's not as much a dual threat guy, but he certainly can can throw the football. So I I don't uh, I, you know, and they say he's in the mix, so he's got a shot. And, uh, and that, that just kind of throws me a little bit. It just makes me feel like maybe the confidence isn't there. Who knows? Or maybe it's just out of respect because he's been a guy that's really deserved it and, and earned a shot at, at trying, which I think would be a cool thing as well.
so so these guys are going to go into this and my feeling on it is and i hate how i hate how people do it and they they have their reasons and and i have my reasons but i i think i think i i like my reasons for how you would handle this competition and uh and maybe maybe we'll get into that in a future future episode but i just think it's it's going to be a fascinating thing they're going to let everyone play early on um and then and then kind of see how it goes but uh for right now i i, I think the the the, really the question is what kind of team does Utah think it is this year? And if it's a team that can compete for a championship, you go with the older, more experienced guy. If it's a team that's rebuilding, then you go with the younger guy and you use this opportunity as a chance to um, let him grow and develop. And, and it's a, it's a good situation. Not going to be a lot of pressure from crowd noise and crowd situations. So it could be a really, really good environment for a young, a young quarterback to kind of grow and develop. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, I'm going to just some NFL observations about some quarterbacks and how they um, surprised me that they're doing well and surprised me that they're not doing so well. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, of course, your host here. A uh, lot of fun in this show. I love talking about these situations. But, man, every week in the NFL, I just keep hearing these Oh, it was a historic day for quarterbacks. Oh, another historic day. Another historic day. Historic, historic, historic day for quarterbacks. And the only thing that, that I, comes to my mind is why is it so historic for quarterbacks? I think it's the crowds. And I think it has an impact on quarterbacks in general. I really do. And I think it's, for the most part, and maybe there's some instances where it's kind of weird and awkward, but it just feels like the quarterbacks completing at a higher percentage, throwing tons more touchdowns. And they're just, they're just kind of, some of these guys are just on, you know, epic. It's fascinating to see kind of how the, the, the crowd noise doesn't impact things. And, and we can get into that at a later time, but I, I wanted to make some observations about some guys that really surprised me that are playing well. And one of them is Cam Newton. And, and obviously you could see his impact in the Patriots' last game where they were pretty inept if he wasn't in there playing. And he's a guy that's got stuff left in the gas tank. He's a guy that, look, I'm, I'm, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm a guy that uh, can get things done and, and I still can play. And, and he's a guy that can do it both running and passing. And so uh, I, you know, I like a lot of uh, how he's played so far and that's, that's a surprise to me. And he, and he's done well. Now on the flip side, the guy that he replaced Tom Brady, who went to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm, I, I'm not surprised at how Tom is playing, but I think a, a lot of people were, were kind of down on him early. And uh, Bruce Arians has a vaunted track record of developing and getting the most out of a lot of different quarterbacks. Tom Brady is a very, very good quarterback, goes without saying. But Bruce Arians will get that out of Tom Brady. And I think Tom wants him to. I think, I think he's – he, I think Tom said, "Throw down the gauntlet on me. Make make me make me better than I am." And I think that's what some of that first of the season stuff was. Uh, you know, uh, Bruce Arians calling out Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is starting to get into the flow of things and and has done well. I'll tell you, guy who, who's <laughs> I don't know uh, if he surprised me. I, I'm a little surprised by the New Orleans Saints. I thought they would be playing better. I thought they would have won more games than they have, and they're just kind of uh, – I'll give you another guy who surprised me is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a guy who I think has – you know, he's the guy that perennially could be the most improved player. It's like, like when he started, you know, it was so un, uh, unheralded. It was uh, unexpected great defense, run the football, you just be a game manager. Every once in a while with your legs, maybe you'll ex- extend a play. We're not going to put a lot on your shoulders. And he excelled at that to the tune of going to a couple of Super Bowls. And then you've got uh, now this team that uh, is more pass-oriented, and you just see Russell Wilson getting better every year. And really, if you ask me at this point, I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, is the MVP of the league. He's just playing phenomenal. But the, the surprising thing to me is that he keeps getting better. And, and you just go, you know, what's the, what's the ceiling on, uh, on this guy? So I'm, 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 I can't say that I'm shocked, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm really, really surprised uh, that uh, he's playing as well as he is. Uh, you know, a team that this – is a, this is a hard one because you have the Atlanta Falcons who – have their first game of the year against the Dallas Cowboys or one of their first games of the year. And they have this epic meltdown. And it just feels to me like Atlanta just is lost. And it feels like Matt Ryan is lost. And this is a guy who just a few years ago was in the, in the Super Bowl. And this is a guy that I feel like, man, he should have been playing so much better than he is. And, and, and I'm not sure what it is. And, and there's another guy in there. They're almost clones. And that, that's uh, Matthew Stafford at the Lions. I mean, here's two teams that I thought would be doing a lot better. And Matt Ryan has had some opportunities to make some plays, make some throws, the Chicago game, uh, some other games. He, and he just hasn't, he hasn't played well. And this is, you know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, has the capability of playing well, and he's really not. And, it, and it's really been quite a surprise. And the same thing with Matthew Stafford. I mean, they're one and, one and three right now, and they're close. You know, you think, of, you think of a drop touchdown pass in the end zone on week one against the Bears, 
and the impact that those those it, it's almost like it reinforces this this just negative aura that's around some of these teams because they're talented they're good and they they just seem to play down to the expectation and they don't they don't find a way to rise above all of it and they 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 just they just find a way to be inept and these these are talented players that you would expect a lot more out of uh, i'll tell you uh, some guys that have really been a surprise, and that's Justin Herbert, uh, this young kid out of Oregon playing with the Los Angeles Chargers, come in and and I mean in his first three games he's played he's you know he's just been stellar, and he's played and and lost some close games to some really good quarterbacks late, which is good for him. It's good to see that that kind of expectation, and you you learn how to you learn how to win some of those games. And I'll give you another guy who I think is exceptional this year. And, and you may – it's kind of fun to go through all these guys because uh, – but is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, you know, sometimes you go, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Sometimes he's not really thinking, uh, it, clearly. But here's a guy that just says, I know what I am. And there's good about me and there's bad about me. But you know what? I'm playing full speed and I'm playing to win. and that's. That's an awesome attitude. It really is because you just, you just, you know, you have that kind of attitude and you, you just tend to, to, you know, make things happen. And, and late, in, late in games, he's a guy that has uh, actually been able to make things happen. And therefore, no. And, and the, you know, it's the quarterback play that has put him in that position. And, and it's, it's all about being able to go down the field make good decisions, and win games late. And a lot of these guys are doing it, and a lot of them aren't. And I'll tell you a guy that's really kind of disappointing to me is, has been Derek Carr. Man, I'd love to play for a coach like John Gruden. I'd love to play in that system. He's had opportunities the last couple of weeks to make things happen and just hasn't. Fumbled the ball away. Just didn't seem like there was a real sense of urgency to – to go down the field and score late in games and win games. And you just, you're just not seeing that. And it's, it's just, it's almost this flippant too cavalier attitude about, you know, what's happening uh, in games. And, and I, I would have expected more. And it's certainly been, been a, a disappointment to me. But the, the last guy, I, I thought the Giants were going to be better. I really did. Thought the Giants were going to be better. But, but Daniel Jones, you know, he's top five pick in the draft. And, it, and everyone raised their eyebrows and like, whoa, where did that one come from? Well, I'm going to tell you in a minute where it came from. But uh, for, for right now, just maybe not the answer for the Giants. Now, they don't have a lot of, a lot of talent and support. They lost their, their star running back. But I, I'm just not sure that, that ultimately he's going to be the guy for the New York Giants. Well, there, there's kind of a rundown. I, I, may have, I may have missed a couple of guys. There's a couple I missed on purpose. Uh, but, oh, well. Um, they're not even really worth mentioning. Even some guys have, have done well. So uh, you figure out who I, I left off and you come to your own conclusion. Take another break. We come back. Yes, Daniel Jones was drafted by Peyton. Okay, folks. Hey, welcome back here to Helmets Off. Uh, that's right, folks. Uh, and here, here's how it happened. And I, I think because... Because when this happened a few years ago, how how did how did so many good quarterbacks 
get looked over. And the New York Giants were just that much smarter than everybody else. And they had to have some kind of inside information. They had to know something. They had a, something really moved them. And I don't know what it was. I do now. I didn't at the time. But I know now why they, they decided to, to draft Daniel Jones. And it's because of uh, Peyton Manning. And, and in, some, in some regards, Eli as well. Maybe both. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe their dad. Or really, maybe the coach at Duke. Uh, David Cutcliffe. So here's kind of how it works. Uh, Cutcliffe is uh, Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator at Tennessee. And then he becomes Eli's head coach at Ole Miss. And now he's the head coach at Duke. And you can kind of start drawing some conclusions. But, but here's what's been going on. Peyton is, is, you know, the media darling, and he has all of his commercials, and he has his endorsements and all these things and his shows. And, and, and I'm amused by Peyton Manning. I actually – I like a lot of what he does. I get, I get his humor, and, and I think he's funny, and, and certainly was a great quarterback using the system that we had in Detroit, but that's another story as well. Uh, Peyton and Eli would go for like a, a spring tune-up. And, and who knows how many years they did this. But here, here was a common denominator for both of them, Cutcliffe. And, and so they would, they would go and they would spend two or three days and they'd bring wide receivers in. And so he was at Duke, I believe, at the time. Um, I'm not sure exactly where he was. But uh, anyways, he uh, – so they were going in there and they were um, having their own little special camps with, with uh, Cutcliffe. And, uh, and so uh, they'd bring receivers in and they'd have practice and they'd review the film and they'd work on their technique and uh, an awesome thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's really cool, you know, what they did. It shows you and people start to get an idea of how, how hard it is and how hard you have to work to be really good at the, at this game. But, um, and, and so, so here they were, they were doing this and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting because there's no way that Daniel Jones and everybody in the NFL does not have him rated as the fifth highest player in the NFL. But they felt like they knew something different. And I'm sure that Peyton Manning and Eli Manning spent a lot of time with Daniel Jones. And they probably got to know him and they said, yeah, we think this guy, we think this guy can do it. And I'm sure, I'm sure that that had a major, major influence as to why Daniel Jones ended up with the New York Giants. And it reminds me a little bit about how I was drafted by the Miami Dolphins. In all my time preparing for the draft, I did not have a single conversation. I didn't have a meeting. I didn't have a workout. I had not one discussion with the Miami Dolphins. Not one. And, uh, and so when the, the Dolphins drafted me, I was dumbfounded. I was shocked beyond belief that they, they would, you know, they would pick me because, one, they had Dan Marino. I mean, Dan was like a really good, a really good player. And why would they need, you know, and he was in the prime of his career. Why would they need someone like me? And uh, so when I – 
when I was in Miami after being drafted, I was there probably a couple of weeks and I went into coach Shula's office and, and it was the first time I'd been in his office. And of course I was, I was starstruck. I was like, wow, this is, this is Don Shula's office. And I'm this kid from Utah and I, I'm in his office. And I uh, sit down and I said, you know, I, I just curious coach, you know, why did you draft me? And he goes, look, Dan Marino's not happy being here. And we're, we're going to groom you to take over for him. And when, when, when you're ready to go, we're going to trade him. And I was, man, I skipped out of Coach Shula's office, and I was just like, holy cow, I can't, you know, I, I can't believe that, uh, you know, that's how they feel about me. Well, two days later, Dan Marino signs this big, lucrative, long-term contract, and he's not going anywhere. So I was like, oh, okay, I see how it is. So later I come to find out that they didn't know a lot about me. The only thing that they knew about me was from Coach Shula's son, David, who at the, you know, David, of course, had gotten into coaching with Coach Shula, and then he went on to to coach the Cincinnati Bengals and their head coach. And then at the time, he was was coaching uh, the Dallas Cowboys. He was a quarterback coach. We came out before the draft, and it worked me out. And I remember the workout. And it was just the two of us, and I, you know, I had a wide receiver and what have you. And he, he put me through the paces. And he was like, told me afterwards, he said, of all the guys that I have worked out in my time as a, as a coach, he goes, that, that's the best workout I've, I've ever seen. And I remember it was a really good workout. I, I I was on point, and and so that that was a cool thing. Uh, but then uh, um, I found out later that uh, they were in a discussion, and he said, "You know who is really impressive, and who was really impressive? It was this Mitchell kid at Utah." He goes, "Of all the all the guys I worked out, he goes, he was the best one." And, uh, and so I was drafted by the Miami Dolphins on the advice of David Shula, who wasn't even with the Miami Dolphins. He was a quarterback coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So that's how it works. It's uh, word of mouth, and uh, you talk to people who are, you know, I guess know better. Anyways, I'm grateful for David Shula. I'm grateful for Coach Shula and uh, – and the opportunity I had to be drafted by the Dolphins. I don't care how it happened. I'm just grateful that it happened. And it was a, a great experience. All right, Helmets Off is now off. Uh, again, go to uh, Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. And until then, we will catch you soon.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.